Collateral Creatives was filmed in front of a live studio audience. Good morning, good evening, and good night. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Collateral Creatives, the show where we go into content that's not necessarily Christian to see where we can find characteristics of God or gospel messages within their contexts. I'm your host, Austin Murphy, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Cheyenne Wyatt. And today we're going to be talking about The Cosby Show. Dun, dun, dun. Very good show, to be honest. Um, so just to give it like a little brief introduction if you are alive you know who bill cosby is most likely most likely uh he was a legendary comedian back in like uh like the 80s and 90s he was really big um he has not been in the best pr recently yeah 2018 ish is that when Everything oh, went closer down? to like 2015. Okay, maybe even further back than that. Okay, um, I was trying to remember because me and my mom were both hype around that time when uh, he was set to get a new show called Cosby on uh, USA or something like that. It was going to be another one of those family type shows, but again, he's going to be like the father or something. Um, but then the allegations came out and we were sad when the show got canceled and i want to open and say we are not going to comment on anything relating to those allegations or the current court cases or anything like that that's unimportant to this and we're going to go into why uh in this episode but the cosby show so the cosby show was following an upper class black family in brooklyn new york by the name of the huxtables you have cliff huxtable Claire Huxtable, Denise, the, uh, Theo, Vanessa, Rudy, Sandra. Um, they are all basically just living in one big house. Uh, it's a big family. You it's need a big really house. big family. Um, it kind of ranges because like Cliff and Claire, obviously the oldest in the house. Then you have Rudy being the youngest, uh, followed up by uh, Vanessa, followed by Denise, followed by Sandra. And then Theo being like the oldest of all of them. At least I'm pretty sure. I think Sandra might actually be the oldest of the bunch. But um, no idea. it's fascinating because this show doesn't really have that complicated of a plot. Most of it is pretty much just here is a family. Here's what they're doing today. <laughs> very slice of life. Very, very slice of life. Yeah. Um, and the Cosby show, for that reason, was actually rather revolutionary because it was it was made during a time when sitcoms were kind of getting stale. Uh, there weren't really many new ideas. And like aside from Golden Girls, there was really nothing that was like really Golden crazy. Golden Girls is a classic. Apparently, it's amazing. Uh, it's there's actually so good. there's apparently been like a a, a res- I've never seen it to be fair, but there, like there's a resurgence of people right now online, like young men and women who are watching are like. Why is this show really good? <laughs> See, I've seen Golden Girls, or not like all of it, but I've seen a lot of Golden Girls because of my grandma. Checks out, <laughs> checks out. Uh, yeah, so one of the fun things with Golden Girls, you mm-hmm. can cut this if you need to. Okay. Uh, the oldest like lady in the show is actually played by the youngest actor. That's funny. Uh, they just did a lot of makeup on her, <laughs> uh, which I just love. Uh, it was also one of the shows that got turned on when my mom was doing laundry. Mm. So and so, like the Cosby Show has, it had a major impact <clears throat> for a lot of different reasons, and 
it's it's really no surprise to be honest because of the people that they had behind it uh i mean aside from the fact that you know you had bill cosby who was a comedic genius really like he's no matter what you think of him He's hilarious. He's a very funny guy, and it's mostly because he uses his childhood experiences to, like, make things funny. Like, all of his stories are usually about something that happened whenever he was a kid. Uh, His story is of Fat Albert, who is a famous character by this point. Um, His stories of things that his father did... Um, he he did a lot of stand-up comedy just based around things that he experienced in his life. And then he started making shows about those things. He's had actually quite a few sitcoms. Before The Cosby Show, there was The Bill Cosby Show. The same sort of premise. There was a family, but it didn't hit. Then they had The Cosby Show. Absolutely legendary, completely solidified. Then after that was just Cosby. And it was also another family show, but this time for like the 90s and 2000s, also not popular. So it was just, he kept, he keeps on going with this because he really likes the idea of family. He, he thinks that family is where you'll find a lot of important and treasured events in your life. And that's why he bases all of his comedy off of it and all of his content off of it. And unsurprisingly, because of that popularity, Cosby Show actually maintained number one spot in television for five seasons like consecutively (laughs) which i think wasn't any surprise because the show itself had incredible moral values like it was basically family it was american family values the show in a lot of ways through the lens of an african-american family which was beautiful the way that they portrayed it i think an episode that still makes me tear up a little bit there's an episode where uh cliff's parents the grandparents come in uh, and they bring some friends over because it's uh, it's some sort of national holiday. I don't remember which one they're celebrating, but it's related to their culture and their history because they're celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And so the kids ask, who's Martin Luther King Jr.? And they're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we didn't we didn't explain this. Oh, no. And so some of the older kids are explaining to like Rudy why he was so important and then the parents will comment on what the younger people are saying by saying, oh no, we were there. It was really impressive. All of the people there, all of the music, the food, and how we had basically taken over the entirety of the courtyards. And then the grandparents were like, oh, we remember it better than everyone. You were kids. We were the adults making that food and playing the music. <laughs> and they eventually, at the end of the episode, turn on Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech and for the most part, the entirety of the end of the episode, the entirety of the end of the episode is just them sitting there watching the TV, listening to the speech, and you're just watching their reactions. It's beautiful, and so like the characters are completely realistic. They all have very understandable lives. Like Theo is a guy that doesn't really like to. He doesn't like school. He tries to find personal successes, but he usually fails because he doesn't know what he wants to do in life. And the moment that he does figure it out, he just disappears from the show entirely because he finally figured out where he wants to go and what he wants to do. Uh, Denise, who has always wanted to try to find something for her life, like be an artist or something, decides that she should go to a college. She goes to college, disappears from the show entirely and gets her own show (laughs) called A Different Life. Rudy, who is growing up and trying to trying to live through puberty she has to deal with learning how to become a woman quote unquote with the help of her sisters and her mother 
and every now and then her father because he has to help her understand why guys are starting to notice her more often why she's starting to notice guys more often <laughs> um and i think my my favorite out of all of them is cliff because he has his own challenges to deal with because he's constantly facing health risks because he eats too much sometimes so there's funny episodes where he has to go get a physical and he's trying to match the physicality of a 20 year old for some reason <laughs> Um, and so a lot of the show is just based around this whole just families living out their normal days, but through the lens of comedy and through the lens of these are actual lessons that you need to be learning as a family. And because of that, the show was number one for a long time. And it's actually been quoted uh, by Entertainment Weekly that the show set up shows like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because it was setting up this predominantly black cast thing, which was kind of new around that time, because usually you had primarily white. So it was groundbreaking in so many different ways for so many different reasons. <clears throat> and it also had uh, definitely to do with the, the guy who directed the show, a guy named Jay Sandrich. Uh, he loved Cosby's idea. He really wanted to make this show come to life. And his history with sitcoms, all he does is sitcoms. This one guy is just, he makes so many of them. He made two different versions of the Dick Van Dyke show, who is, oh gosh, I love Dick Van Dyke. He's a beautiful actor. I love him so much. Uh, he helped make the Cosby show and the subsequent um, show, just Cosby. He helped make the Betty White show. Um, and now, like right now, uh, He's right now making a special called Forever Golden, a celebration of the Golden Girls. <laughs> Beautiful. And so you get a mind that is designed for sitcoms and you're going to have a success. So The Cosby Show was on really good standings by that point. Uh, and the actors themselves also were massively the reason why the show was so popular. I think the most popular one and the one that is still seeing a lot of success to this day is Felicia Rashad. She played Claire, the, the wife. And I, I'm going to I'm going to be real. I have no idea how in the world Bill Cosby and Felicia made it seem like they were actually married, but they did such a good job of acting as if they were real parents in a real home. Making like little jabs like, you know, honestly, I think we should just sell the kids and we could we can make a profit, right? <laughs> or uh, probably one of my favorite moments, um, Rudy is having a nightmare. Oh, wait, no, it's not Rudy. It's uh, it's Vanessa. She's having a nightmare. So she goes into the parents' room to sleep in their bed for the night. But she keeps on kicking and uh, snoring in her sleep. And at one point, uh, Claire just just decides to let go and she kicks her daughter off the bed and <laughs> Vanessa wakes up and goes mommy what happened and Claire just goes oh honey you fell <laughs> and it's just like it's just it's very real comedy it's it's very real it's it's very very lighthearted. it's not at the sacrifice of anyone or anything it's just funny for the sake of funny um and Felicia she's still doing things to this day she actually was uh she was in Creed most recently the Creed series which is the uh, the sequel to uh, the Rocky films um, she's been in uh, she's been in things such as uh, Psych she's uh, Gus's mom and she just plays mother characters really well so it doesn't surprise me at all in, in Creed she's the mom so like she just loves playing mothers she just is the mother <laughs> she is the mother <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the only time that I think she's played a character that wasn't just like strictly the mother character was in 13 Reasons Why she was the pastor. Mm-hmm. So like she just she's really good at playing a character that is meant to be a moral guide. And then uh, the other actress that has actually been doing rather well for herself as well, uh, Keisha Knight-Pulliam. She played Rudy. So she's no longer a little itty-bitty girl. Now she's a full-blown woman, and she has been doing a lot of shows and movies. She's been ridiculous, going all over the place, multiple films every year, basically. Um, Most recently, she's being recognized for being in House of Pain for, like, however many years that show has been around. (laughs) So... Cosby Show had fantastic creators, it had a fantastic backing, it had fantastic actors and actresses, and all of this led up to a huge countrywide, like, it was mostly Americans that watched this show, and across the nation, families were being inspired by this family and how they interacted with each other, because you had a, like, the mother, Claire Huxpool, she was a lawyer. The father, Cliff, he's a doctor, but specifically... He's an obstetrician, helping babies be born, basically. Um, And then you have uh, certain characters that are teenagers and starting to grow up into college years, uh, kids who are in elementary school growing up into high school. You see the progression of a real family over the course of time. And it's, it's, I've never seen it done before, and I have yet to see it be done again to the same degree. We have certain shows that do follow like a family, like uh, Good Luck Charlie. Good Luck Charlie was a pretty popular one on Disney Channel. But the problem was that it was a Disney Channel sitcom. And Disney Channel sitcoms have a habit of being completely unrealistic. <laughs> they have a Disney sheen on them. Yeah. like. Have you seen The Middle? I've heard of it. Okay. That one follows a family... The reason why it's called the middle, first off, is it's a middle-class family, and mm-hmm. then also they're in the Midwest, ah. so it's kind of like a double play on words there. And they have three kids, and it's really interesting because you can kind of tell like what season uh, stuff is, because especially based on the youngest kid, mm-hmm. <laughs> because in really early stuff, uh, their youngest son is named Brick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Brick is like a little baby um, in the earliest stuff, but he had like a growth spurt or something. And so like the later seasons, he's super tall and it's really <laughs> funny. I don't remember how many seasons there are of it, though, or even if it's still running. Uh, it's not running anymore, but it, it did have... Um... It had several seasons. Yeah, it's not still running, but it did have nine seasons. Yeah. So it ran from 2009 to 2018. Um, I remember seeing commercials for that show, but I don't remember it being popular. Yeah, it never struck me as the type of show that would be super popular. Uh... Yeah, it's not a sitcom either. It's it's kind of it's more just it's it's kind of slice of life, but a little different. It's filmed a lot like The Office, it seems. Yeah, kinda. Um, it doesn't have, um, cause it doesn't office do stuff where it like pulls away and like break the fourth wall. Yeah. It doesn't really have as ton of, a ton of stuff where it like breaks the fourth wall, like the office, but it would kind of in a way, um, 
be more episodic. Like yeah. it was definitely more purposeful. It wasn't as slice of lifey. Yeah. So other shows have definitely done a good job of portraying a family, but I I do think that when it comes to this perfect American value sort of family, Cosby Show has done it best. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing with the middle is that there are a lot of issues in the family mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily the most wholesome always. <laughs> uh, while with the Cosby show, I think it tends more towards the wholesome side of things. Yeah, because with the Cosby show, what they'll do, um, there's uh, there's lessons to be learned with every single episode usually through the parents having to discipline their children sometimes they learn how to better discipline their children like they do it wrong and the children don't learn anything mm-hmm. so they have to learn a better way to do it um but there's an episode where uh vanessa for example she's not even like full-grown teen yet and she wants to go to this party and so she's for the time she was scantily clad uh had a bunch of makeup on and she gets caught by her mom <laughs> and they have a sit down and all that um but there's also something else to it the fact that the parents are actually smart because they understood something when it comes to family values that i think that even real families don't understand that the consequences of your actions can be punishment enough Mm -hmm. there's an episode again with vanessa she makes really bad decisions in her life um she's older now she's like in her early 20s and she goes to a, another party, but it's more like a get-together, and they end up playing a drinking game. I think it's called 50 States or something, where basically you, you make a beat with your with your hands, and to the beat, you have to go down the alphabet and say the name of a city. If you mess up or miss the beat, then you have to take a drink. By the end, of course, everyone's supposed to get sloshed, <laughs> and she's no different. She's wasted. She, uh, she calls home and Denise picks her up because she's a very very kind sister she distracts her parents and all of that so that they don't catch Vanessa being drunk and of course eventually the parents find out that she had been out drinking and the reason why was because the parents of that girl who hosted that party found out about it and was like oh Vanessa was here you might want to go and check on her so they find out that Vanessa was drinking of course but they don't punish her in the way that you would think They pull down the the youngest girl living with them because Denise has a husband who came with a child, like it's a stepdaughter. Um, When they got married, he didn't tell her that he he had a daughter. So like she kind of just took it and rolled with it. But uh, she's super sweet. She's like the cutest character in the entire show. And uh, they sat, they sit her down on the couch and tell Vanessa to sit down with her. And they're like, okay. Uh, if you like drinking so much, we figured we should teach you how to drink properly. So we're going to play the game again, and you're going to, to practice it so that you don't do that again. Understood? And she's like, Mom, I don't I don't want to. That's I, I, why, why is she here? And she's like, oh, we're going to teach her young. And they're like, uh, Mom, what are you doing? Uh, That's not cool. So they start playing, and Cliff messes up, and he takes a swig. Then Claire messes up, and she takes a swig. Then... <laughs> The little girl messes up and she takes a swig. And Vanessa's like, what is happening? <laughs> and then finally Vanessa messes up. She takes a swig. It's tea. And the parents basically just reveal, we know you did not enjoy that experience. And we trust that you won't do it again. 
because you had such an awful experience and you know the truth of what happens when you do things like that. So just don't do it again. <laughs> and there's a lot of moments like that where they just let the, the kids deal with the problems of their actions, like the consequences of their actions, and don't punish them. They're just like, we're not going to help you. Deal with it. Handle it. Learn how to grow from that. And I love that because we don't have enough of the shows where parents, you know, don't get immediately angry at their kids for whatever it is they did wrong. Yeah, especially in comedy, um, just across the board, I think intelligent characters tend to not appear in comedy. Yeah, they, they make all the characters stupid. Because that's funny. That's how you get comedy? Question, Question mark? mark. <laughs> <laughs> My mother, when when we were when I was growing up, uh, she had me watch this show all the time with her, and so we would we would watch that show together. But we would also like turn it on in the background when we're doing spring cleaning, or you know you're taking all the cushions off the couches and leaving them out in the sun and all of that. So the Cosby Show was a big thing in my home, and it it taught me a lot of lessons when I was growing up, when I was a kid, because I got to watch the kids make mistakes on my behalf, and I didn't make those mistakes myself. One of them being, don't lie to your parents. Because every single kid tried to lie to the parents, and every single time the parents found out. So I just didn't try it. Because <laughs> I figured my parents are probably all powerful like that, too. <laughs> yeah. So the reason why I wanted to bring up The Cosby Show today uh, wasn't just to praise it for how excellent it was for its family values and talk about how it was so impressive and so important for a lot of families during that time. Um, it was mostly because, of course, we know who this is attached to. It's in the name. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we're not going to go into any of the allegations or anything surrounding him, but we know at least what he's been accused of, and we know at least of why people are a little bit iffy when you mention Bill Cosby's name. Mm -hmm. It's been really controversial. Extremely. And it's been a long time that we've had to deal with that, and it's not going to get cleared up anytime soon, I think. Although, I think he finally got released from it or something. Well, I was reading up on it, and there was stuff about mistrial and a lot of a lot of things. Yeah, and he's, he's not handling it well. But... Mm -hmm. People usually hear Bill Cosby or they'll hear me say, oh, no, I love the Cosby show. And I'll get a certain look as if I'm like supporting him or something yeah, like, like that. saying, oh, I love Bill Cosby. Yeah. And like this is this is the reason why I wanted to do this episode specifically. So the question is, can you separate a creation from its creator? And I want to say yes, because there's a lot of things that have been made over the course of time in the past and currently present that. You could try to attach it to whoever made it, but I think that's detrimental to the art. Especially since art is usually in its own unique realm. If we were to attach, uh, let's say like if we were to attach humanness to everything that's been created, then nothing is good. Nothing is worth consuming because it is completely corrupted by sin. And there are people who will will not read the Bible because they think that it's been corrupted by man entirely. They'll ignore Second Timothy. They'll ignore all of the things that say, hey, God is God's word is completely untainted. And they'll just be like, nope, sorry. It's been tainted by man. And if if creation can be tainted, then creation wouldn't be worth enjoying. And that's why I'm I'm bringing this up because I think creation in and of itself 
like Paul says, it's not good nor evil. And there are always things that you can take out of it. So the Cosby show has nothing to do with Bill Cosby, aside from the fact that he's there. He helped write the show. He helped create it. But he only did it to make family value content. If it was something that was related to the things that he was accused of, then yeah, sure, don't watch that because that's awful. But it was just family values. Mm -hmm. So it is really interesting to consider the question of like what to what extent do creators affect your opinion of their work because there is a weird or an indistinct line I think a lot of the time in school especially we're taught to incorporate what the author or what the creator intended because we're taught to analyze so much yeah and um there's this quote from John Green where uh, he talks about how books belong to their readers. And yeah. so, because people ask him like, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Uh, regarding his books that he's written. And he's like, well, like, it's more important what you think because once I'm done with the book, it's yours. Like, you're the reader. The book belongs to you. And so like, yes, that's true but there's also a certain aspect of things where a creation requires a creator to exist just as it needs someone to consume that creation in order to exist and a lot of the time like you can draw parallels with different media so this is still with books but uh Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. The main character, Kaz, he walks with a limp and there's a lot of backstory with that. <laughs> and he has a cane because of that. Leigh Bardugo has a cane for very different reasons. But that adds a certain layer to the fact that the main character also has the same characteristic as her um, with Catra and the Rye there's this level of I'm gonna restart that Okay. Um, so J.D. Salinger wrote Catra and the Rye after he came home from war where he saw a lot of death and people who he had known were gone and he chooses to write about a kid who gets lost in New York and there's no one around him that he knows. And so, yes, the fact that Salinger is a war veteran doesn't really come into play in the book, but like with that context, you can read in a certain depth to Holden Caulfield's character. It's just like how knowing that Tolkien uh, went through war adds a certain depth to the narrative of Lord of the Rings. So there's this line where knowing about the creator 
informs the way that we can view or understand the work that they helped create and yet it also shouldn't be it shouldn't determine how we feel about it completely because it goes beyond that the work itself should be able to stand beyond it and i think the cosby show is kind of an example of that perhaps Mm -hmm. um but it does raise a lot of interesting questions um a maybe more modern example i don't remember her name so i'll need some help uh the lady with johnny depp amber heard yeah so maybe a more modern example would be with amber heard and the boycott that happened around that and austin is a little bit more familiar with that situation yes i am i follow it very closely (laughs) so if you want to give a brief synopsis of what happened with that yeah sure um so around the time of fantastic beasts uh sequel forgot what the name of it was um i think it was something uh, the something of grindelwald his character johnny depp he played a character named grindelwald who was the original big bad before voldemort in the harry potter uh series and johnny depp obviously you've probably seen at least That's one movie the crimes of grindelwald i think okay um Johnny Depp, you know who he is. If you've seen, like, there are so many different movies where he's played as various characters, and he's a legendary actor. So people didn't see it coming when suddenly his wife, at the time anyway, suddenly came out with uh, assault allegations and abuse and horrible, horrible claims that he was mistreating her to a vast degree. And so once that happened, Warner Brothers, without question, without even waiting, immediately cut him from future Fantastic Beasts films and a bunch of other producers just started removing the options that Johnny had for future films, including the upcoming Pirates of the Caribbean sequel. So, I mean, everyone was already being like, no, I'm not going to watch it. Why would I watch a a Pirates of the Caribbean movie without Jack Sparrow? What's what even is that? Yeah. (laughs) Which I, I honestly agree with that. That's not even anything to do with what like do you Johnny do Depp. Like Jack what, that's like that's like going like I'm gonna go watch Robin Hood without Robin Hood in it. <laughs> like uh-huh. I know it's called Pirates of the Caribbean, but it should just be called Jack Sparrow's Pirates of the Caribbean because <laughs> he's the most important character of Jack the entire Sparrow film. Jack Sparrow and the Adventures of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's the most important character in the entirety of the franchise. Mm-hmm. So Johnny Depp. He obviously didn't take it very well, but he struck back immediately. He exposed the fact that Amber was actually getting it backwards. She was the one abusive to him. The reason why he's missing some of his finger, the reason why he sometimes shows up to sets beaten, the reason why he sometimes is just depressed is because Amber was assaulting him and abusing him. So... Uh, it was revealed later on he found a voice recording on his phone that he had left on like he turned it on when Amber started freaking out and she admitted she had thrown things at him there was a glass bottle that shattered and that what that's what took off some of his finger um, and she admitted to have punched him and all of that once people found out about that 
the entirety of the situation changed. Those who had trusted that Johnny Depp was innocent this entire time was like, ha, I told you so. Everybody who was originally on Amber Heard's side, some of them remained to Amber and they thought, oh, he's just making it up. But the vast majority switched over to Johnny Depp. And then a massive boycott started. Any film that Amber Heard has ever been in and any film that she's going to be in is massively agreed upon to not watch. Uh, Aquaman 2 is going to be coming out pretty soon with Warner Brothers. And it's been agreed upon once it comes out, no one's going to go to the theaters to watch it. And because of that, Warner Brothers is getting close to cutting Amber Heard entirely (laughs) and doing the same thing that they did to Johnny Depp. Um, Now, they're not going to get Johnny back because Johnny already said, no, you didn't trust me. Fine, whatever. You don't need me. That's fine. And they regret that decision because Johnny is a A A-lister. So the moment you lose an A-lister, you've lost a little bit of your content. (laughs) Um, So Amber now is being associated with with these creations. So now people are not watching them because Amber is in them. Uh, But that is the current situation with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Yeah. And so I feel like that's kind of similar in a way to what's happened with the Bill Cosby show, because once the allegations came out against Cosby, um, I was reading how um, they pulled all of the reruns Mm -hmm. and uh, there was even something about how uh, universities that had conferred honorary degrees to him had rescinded those honorary degrees and so even though there's so much going on that like we said we're not going to get into (laughs) so it makes it interesting because to some degree yes boycotting and not watching things that have people who've done bad things in them is kind of the only way that general audiences can let studios know, hey, this is not okay, uh, and have a voice sometimes, but also the creation itself is what's suffering. And so like with Aquaman 2, the movie itself is probably going to be just fine. It's not incorporating any uh, as far as I know any scenes of abuse it's not incorporating any of that context behind that actress and yet she's in it and that's why people are upset and so it it requires a lot of critical thinking and discernment as we always advocate for Because there is a balance to how much creators matter in your eyes. And so we're not saying like, oh, people shouldn't boycott the Bill Cosby show or they shouldn't boycott Aquaman 2. Because if that's like what you feel led to do, like if that's what your conscience tells you to, because like that's how you're going to speak out against it or like support people who have been victimized like okay like that's where your conscience has led you um after analyzing the situation but also if you're someone who's like oh i feel okay watching these things because i have separated the creator from 
the creation like i have separated what that person did from this other thing that they just happened to be in they shouldn't be ostracized for making that choice because again that's a matter of conscious it's kind of it's like the passage in I believe it's Romans where it talks about the meat sacrifice to idols where people need to do what their conscience tells them to mm -hmm. or like follow their convictions and so yeah any thoughts on that I've been talking for a while <laughs> I would just say it is definitely not worth it to not go and enjoy a creation if you are relating it to a creator. Like you said, yeah, sure, there could be some value in boycotting because then you might get that person who uh, unjustly harmed someone else removed, but it's really not up to you. It's going to be up to the law. It's going to be up to the producers. You not watching the movie isn't going to tell them anything other than you're just a little whiny. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna worry about that. They're still gonna pay Amber to be in the movies. She's not gonna be at any detriment. They're not gonna be at any detriment. They're swimming in cash. So they don't really care about that. But more importantly, if you're going to go and boycott something for that reason, you're just harming everybody else that was involved in the production. There's directors, there's there's cast and crew. Like the crew of those this is just a little known thing. I need to I need to actually mention this. This is important to me. The crews on production sets go through absolute awful conditions to make your favorite pieces of content. I I have one guy that I know right now, a guy named Jordan Webb. He also went here to Moody, but then he went on to uh, start working on uh, actual full-on productions. He's right now on the on the crew for uh, a reboot of the 4400. I think that's coming to man, what is it going to? USA? No, it's not USA. I don't remember. He was set to be on that production for the for about 90 days. Right now he's about 65 days in. And he he said it's it's not worth the money because <laughs> they show up, they work for 12 hours a day to get a show done. And it's very cutthroat. If you mess up, you're off the team, that sort of thing. And so it's it's a harsh it's a very harsh industry to be in. So by by not supporting one single piece of media, Everyone on that crew is going to be at a detriment because of it, because they're not going to get anything out of it. Because there's always an opportunity for like, oh, this was successful. Excellent. I want you on my crew. Or this was successful. Excellent. Here's a bonus. You know, thank you for all your work. They're not going to get that because you didn't give them the option. Mm -hmm. Poorly rated productions and such usually don't equal good job opportunities. So it's there is a value to boycotting true evils and all of that but the actions of amber heard and the actions of bill cosby the actions of other people that have been in however many productions it doesn't reflect on the creation the creation is an independent thing these people are playing characters they are representing either a theme a mood an emotion some characteristic of the self they aren't being themselves for a reason because if they were themselves it would not only complicate plot but it would just not be interesting because characters are supposed to be more interesting than real people real people are boring <laughs> the real life is usually dull one of my favorite quotes of all time was from a writer named tom clancy what a legendary guy but tom clancy is quoted in saying uh that 
The difference between reality and fiction is that fiction has to make sense. And that is incredibly true. Reality never makes any sense. Science is literally the study of things that don't make sense. <laughs> and so we're trying to make sense of things that are in the world, but we just can't figure it out. And in that sense, in a fictional reality, which is pretty much what all content that you consume is in. It's, unless it's nonfiction. <laughs> yeah. Um, unless it's nonfiction. You're going to be interacting with characters that you're going to be, you're not going to wonder like, when do they go to the bathroom? When do they eat? When do they sleep? I mean, you might not. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I'm trying to make a point. I'm sorry. You keep interrupting me. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> You don't wonder about these really small things because you're more interested in what this character is doing currently. You're worried about the story in this contained space. You only have so much time to go and explain these things. So, I mean, imagine the the however many like 18-hour runtime of the Lord of the Rings extended <laughs> editions made even longer by the times that they've had to stop and eat. Or all the bathroom breaks. All of the bathroom breaks. On the way to Mordor. All the times they've had to stop for a second to talk for hours and all of that. It wouldn't make it as entertaining because yes Tolkien does enjoy expanding things and talking about stuff and describing things but if he went that far I don't think it would he would even try like no one would try to read it so that's that's my whole point here creations should be disconnected because creators no person is perfect no person is good that's that's the thing that whole thing of nothing is truly good and nothing is truly evil that's the same thing with people it's what you do with it but still creations are and like you said are what you make of it and i would go and enjoy the cosby show i would enjoy aquaman too because there's unique stories that are being told here that don't have to do anything with the people that were involved in making it i don't see a point in causing detriment to the people that put their blood sweat and tears into making these stories happen which like if you've ever like really retrospectively thought about it it's a really strange industry to be getting into making other humans entertained it's a very strange thing but that's just how the artist mind works so if the artist mind can only be fulfilled by bringing enjoyment to others interacting with what they've created you're just harming that like it's it's not beneficial to art or creation if you're not willing to go out and enjoy it a little bit despite what it might be connected to like if we were to go into the histories of very various directors various actors creations are important and they're more important than whatever it is that someone has done in their life leading up to that because the the fact that they can make something that's worthwhile that you can learn from that doesn't get taken away by what the person did because you can't say like oh because this person did this that was contrary to what was in this show mm -hmm. the show is now at a detriment it might even it might even matter more because they've done bad in their life or mm -hmm. bad things in their lives yeah um the reason why is because everyone has sinned we all need jesus and so it's a reminder that just because we do bad things and i'm not trying to minimize um any of the things that the people we've mentioned have done <laughs> like i don't want to do that but with that like beautiful things can still happen um out of really bad situations and i think that's really important to remember is that you know yes 
there can be really awful things, but sometimes really beautiful things happen because of that. Like painters paint amazing pieces of art that stem from tragedies. And there's writers who write books and they express like so much about what it means to be a human and they went through terrible things to be able to do that and so that's a little bit different than like actually doing something bad yourself um but i think that's still applicable to keep in mind that like just because there's something bad related to this specific piece of content doesn't mean that the content itself is something bad Mm mm-hmm So if you're going to be critiquing things, critique the creation and the creator separately. Yeah, and like we've said before, have discernment. Collateral discernment. (laughs) Collateral discernment. Everything is controversial. (laughs) So, yeah, just use the discernment because, like, yeah, there are things that you shouldn't watch because of the people who've made them. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, if that is Aquaman 2 or the Bill Cosby show, like, that's up to you to judge. Mm-hmm. And so, we've just tried to provide a few thoughts of our own on the subject. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a fun little cherry on the top, I, 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 this is, this really is just poking fun at this whole thing, this whole idea, just as a way to, a, a funny way to wrap this whole thing up. Um, my favorite w- way of describing, um, separating creation from the creator Adolf Hitler was an artist. If you're going to com- if you're going to uh, critique the creation and the creator, uh, Adolf Hitler was a horrible guy, did awful things, and he wasn't a good painter. I've looked at his art; it's subpar at best. It's okay. Like mm. he has some he has some pretty okay building drawings, I guess. But I can understand why he got kicked out of art school. <laughs> yeah. I think the only time that we don't want to separate creation from the creator is with God. Yes. That's when we want to make creation connect. Yeah, but that's because this creation is far more important than whatever it is we can create. Yeah. And that's more about relationship Mm -hmm. than uh, creating joy Mm -hmm. and perhaps showing off to others. Yep. Like what we do. Our our creations are just faulty versions of the mm-hmm. greater creation that God makes. But man, do we try. <laughs> we really try. Mm-hmm. So if you want more of that sort of stuff though, just find a nice sermon on it. Maybe Charles Stanley is your is your taste. Maybe he can he can give you some insight on why creation is so important as it is to discuss. But with all that having been said, we're going to wrap up today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed this. Uh, again, another dive into... We are we really love controversy, I think. Everything is controversial. controversial. Everything is weird when you're thinking too hard. <laughs> we're still working on the full version of that. Yeah. We got to write it out. Maybe um, we'll do that over Thanksgiving break. Yeah, and, and like while we're doing it, we'll uh, we'll also during like we're gonna eventually break off this season so we can work on season two and just like somewhere in in between season one and <laughs> two it'll be a full track break. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Farewell. Bye.